Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am your host, Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit on Twitter. At Loafinit. I got a little loaf, a little bread, bread slice of bread up there in my little uh, uh, picture for who I am. I got a little bread slice because I am a bread man. And this is a great time of year to be a bread man. A lot of things happening. And John, I have with me today, John Frisella, at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You asked me about the weather here because you said it's pretty nasty in New York. Oh, yeah. Good morning, my friend. Yeah, it's, uh, we're at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time right now. The rain is coming down sideways. I'll set the picture for you. Really? Uh, the, wind, the wind is coming in, shaking the trees. And uh, we're hearing whispers of a nor'easter coming. We probably won't get the worst of it, but uh, coming up this way. And it's nasty, man. It's, you don't want to look out there. You want to close the blinds. Every morning around this time of year for me, uh, it, it starts off nice and frosty, right? It's frosty outside in the morning time, but the air smells so clean whenever it's nice and early in the morning and it's frosty outside, but then it starts heating up and warming up and the sun just comes out and it's usually around 50, 55 degrees here, somewhere in that neighborhood. It gets a little bit colder for about, uh, I don't know, six weeks out of the year, probably a little bit longer than that. But as long as you don't pay attention to what the weathermen say, it really doesn't get bad. You know? Yeah, I, li- I like what you said about the, the crisp and the clean air. Because, you know, that's that's an issue here in New York. We don't really we don't really get that. I mean, obviously, if you go upstate, it's very much country. You go upstate New York, it's it's like that. Um, but in our area here, it's it's not so much like that. You get the whatever the smog and the pollution, you know, coming from the city. So it's not it's a nice thing. I always think of that when I, even if I go up to Massachusetts to see my family up there, uh, the air is a lot cleaner. You feel that that freshness and the cleanness in the air. Yeah, I, I I especially like that. But yes, weather may take a little bit apart. Is that supposed to clear out for the Jets game tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not supposed to be as bad. It's supposed to start to taper down overnight. But like you said, I never believe them. E- even though we look at the weather reports for these games, uh, I never believe them until I see the kickoff. There's been some that were completely upside down, backwards from what it actually was when the game actually kicked off. So yeah, it's supposed to taper off, but I don't trust it. Yeah, I've been paying attention to the weather because that's what you have to do as you try and predict these games or look at your fantasy uh, people that you want to start or sit or anything like that because weather could play a factor this time of year. And I really didn't see much other than that jet game where there's 20-mile-per-hour winds, but you know that I don't care about winds unless they get to the 30-mile-per-hour mark. That's when I try to fly. I try to fly whenever it gets to the 30-mile-per-hour mark myself. I try to go outside, put a little <laughs> kite up in the air. You know, Down here in Alabama, and you don't get a lot of these in New York. I, I remember it happened earlier this year, which is kind of what 2020 t- does. But down here, I'm like in a tornado alley, my oh, friend. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah and you, can, you can chase those things if you want to. You can look at them. And they're always headed my direction. And then I've got, I got a big river right there by the house. And uh, they just kind of get attracted and sucked into the river, and then they jump the river and go to the other side almost every single time. So that's always good news. Let me ask you, what's the worst that you've seen, right? So oh. s- set the scene for us in your in your lifetime in Tornado Alley. What what's the worst you've seen in your area? Okay, so there, and I'm terrible. You know how my mind is, and how I am with numbers and stuff like that. I'm stuck in the '80s, right? So, but I don't pay attention to years and stuff. There's a long story behind that. And one day, uh, when you hear my testimony, is what we call it down here in the South, or whatever. When you hear my story, you'll say, "I understand why he blocks so much out now." Okay, so you'll, <laughs> that's how my brain was trained. Okay, my brain was trained like that as a kid. So about, I want to say about eight or ten years ago, uh, and and I do it in a bread man world. 
Um, and I've been in the bread business for so long that it's kind of like your Nana. It just kind of all jumbles together. So maybe the timing's off. But about 10 years ago, there was just a day, man, where there were so many tornadoes that came through here, just one after the other, after the other. It's, it's all the weather channel. It's one of those documentary kind of things. And that was the worst I'd ever seen. It's some huge tornadoes that ripped down. And I, I don't want to say telephone poles or, or, or power line poles. You know, it did that easy. Snapped them in half like it was a toothpick. But I'm talking the the big metal ones, the huge metal ones that go up for ages and then are so strong. It was bending those things. The tornadoes just one after the other, bam, 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 just started twisting and bending those things all over and just, I mean, destroyed stuff that I had seen out there in the areas. And it was, it was quite amazing to watch the power that mother nature has. Yeah. Two questions for you on that. One is, have you or a family member or a friend ever lost a house in, in a tornado where it just ripped right through the thing and you guys had to get down in the cellar or, or anything like that or not that bad? No, that's that's never happened uh, for, to me personally. I know people where, where it has happened, you know, the whole train thing, the locomotive thing, and it sounds un- unbelievable, and it is. I mean, right whenever you're in the middle of it, on that particular day, I went outside to kind of look at the sky because I, I live in this area where I, I go outside. And like I said, it always hits the it always hits the river and jumps to the other side. And I was I was looking up in the sky and you got to look up a couple of layers. You can't just look like at your treetops. You got to look right. up a couple of layers because my trees weren't moving. But man, up in the next layer or two of the sky, so many clouds just going in different directions. And I was going, how in the world are those birds flying in the wind like that up there that high. How in the world are the birds flying? And then as I looked at it a little bit closer, I'm like, oh, that's shingles. That's not that's not birds. <laughs> oh, oh, those are shingles. Oh, okay. Well <laughs> maybe I ought to go inside right now. I'll find a safe place. <laughs> well my my that's a that's a segue to my second question. Obviously the vision that we have of it here, we've had a few by the way. We've had a couple of tornadoes come through. Obviously you know we had the hurricanes. That's the big thing we have to deal with here. I live right down the block from the beach. So we had Hurricane Sandy here, demolished, destroyed everything. It was a nightmare. That was 2012. The year before that was Hurricane Irene, 2011. That wasn't as bad, but also nasty. And we've had a couple of very mild tornadoes whip through and take down some poles. Nothing like you have there. But my question is, the vision that we have and the image that we have of what you do for protection is the Wizard of Oz, right? When the twister comes in the beginning, Dorothy's trying to get down in that storm cellar. Her family's already down there. What do you guys do? Is it in, do you go in the basement? Is a storm cellar a thing? Like, what do people do for protection? There are plenty of storm cellars. You can see them outside in different places. That's a little bit older, though. When that's an older house, you know, older right. house have those. Now we have actually things that get built, uh, safe places that get built into the foundation of the house, the concrete of the house. Where you, it's kind of like a cellar. You go into it. Usually, people put them in a garage, and you just open up the trap door, and you can go down in there for that moment of time that you're in there. Uh, you also have safe houses like where you build a closet or something like that, or maybe a you know a, a little bit bigger of a closet, a walk-in closet that get a little bit more reinforced so you can go in there and that's the safe place and that's the safe area for your family. Um, if houses don't do that, then do you just uh, essentially you put on a helmet, you put on your shoes, you go into the bathroom, into the innermost part of your house and you uh, <laughs> duck and cover, I guess. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good parallel for a football show. You got to put the whole uniform on. You got the helmet, the shoulder pads, the knee pads, you got the whole thing. I mean, if you, if you don't have a storm cellar, you got to put something on for protection. Now we got a lot of games today, so we're we're off. We got we got off into a tangent. We got to be in a hurry this morning. But I had one question I had to ask you, mm-hmm. okay? Because about five years ago, there was a song that started getting played on the radio down here, 
right? Mm -hmm. That I had never heard of. And I was so thankful to hear a new Christmas song because around my house with the girls here and everything, uh, Christmas is all year long as far as Christmas music goes. And so you get a little bit burned out. And and during the summertime, I'm like, no, we got to stop it. It can't start again until sometime around October. Okay. We just got to stop it. And, and so there was that new song that popped up on the air about five years ago, Dominique the Donkey. And, yeah, and I had that. never heard that song before. And I was like, oh, hey, that's a good song, too, because it's a dingity ding. You know, it's just it's just nice, fun, bouncy song, which I like. And it happens to be my five year old's favorite animal is a donkey. Don't ask me why. And so it kind of all correlated together where now she had a song to sing about her favorite animal. And she loves going around the house going, you know, stuff like that. But was that a childhood song that. So, you know, somebody in an Italian house like yourself knew growing up as a child. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. And, really? you know, the problem with that song is exactly what you said about how, you know, when you start too early with the Christmas songs, wherever it is, if it's in your own home or like I know a lot of places in stores and banks around here, they're playing the Christmas music on loop nonstop every second all day. That mm-hmm. song, if you play it only once or twice, goes on a loop in your head. So that's that's what I remember about it. It just keeps running. It has that jiggity jig. Uh, uh, it just in it just in your head. It just plays itself. So you got to be careful with that one because if you want to ever turn the Christmas music off, it's hard to do with that one. It plays on its own. Oh yeah, it does. It does, but it really is a catchy one. And and John, one day, and I've got big big ideas. It's the follow through that is always hard to do. But I would love to have this on Spotify over on Anchor FM, where you can subscribe to the Fantasy Impact Today Sport Network uh, and get all the different podcasts that are on here. They actually have a thing now where you can make a Spotify channel and and make your own music, and you and I could like be DJs. And I've thought about not only you and I being DJs in this, where you introduce a song, give a little childhood memory, but I thought that'd be so much fun to do with all the people that. We have made great contact with in the fantasy football community or the fantasy community. It, it, everybody has got different childhood memories of different songs. And it'd just be cool to have a, a loop of hearing all those people talk about how these songs have influenced them in their life or why they're their favorites. Yeah, that's a great idea. You're talking about specifically for holiday songs or just in general, like throughout the year? Uh, both, but definitely holiday songs. Holiday songs are the ones that got me going on that. Uh, but it'd just be it'd be neat to have that on your Spotify playlist, and you get to hear all the different people. You know, but not even just on the Fantasy Impact Today network, like JB and Pierre, and even Bobby Foster family, who uh, who's who's kind of got underneath your skin a little bit. But uh, having all those guys, but also different people that I've made contact with, that you've made contact with, to just kind of get on there and introduce the song and talk about it. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be really nice. But yeah, you're right. You're right about Bobby. You know what I'm upset about. I mean, <laughs> the fit picks. By the way, the fit picks are going viral. A couple of people uh, DM'd me on the side and said, I want to get in on that. So you you and I could talk about that uh, off air. But fit picks last week, you know, I th- really, you know me, I really thought I was the mastermind. I took the Falcons when all you guys took the Raiders. That was an easy win for me. I was laughing all the way to the bank. I took the Patriots and all you guys took the Cardinals. That was an easy win for me. So I'm laughing. I'm sitting here like a king. I'm eating potato chips, drinking beer, all that stuff. I'm celebrating my win. And then I look at the standings when you send it over to me. And Bobby is still tied with me at 117 and 59. I can't shake this guy. And Pierre's right there. He's one game behind with 116 wins on the season. I mean, this is a tight race as we go down to the finish line. No, it's really a tight race. And if you think about it, I did the math and I don't know if I'm, I'm very good at doing math. I'm not really sure what I'm good at. I could put bread on a shelf like nobody's business. OK, <laughs> I haven't figured out what I've specialized in other than that, because it certainly isn't the English language. But uh, I think that we're hitting right around 67 percent correct on that, John. I don't know where that would 
fall into if we were to bet every single game every single week and all that. I don't know where that would fall into, but it looked like a pretty good chunk of change that we would end up winning if we did do that. Yeah, no, it it is. And I can tell you why. In one of my group chats here with my my personal buddies, you know, they like to rib, uh, especially in New York, people play hard. Right. It's a it's a lot of uh, sarcastic remarks, a lot of jabbing at people. That's the way people interact. So in one of the ones where we usually are making fun of each other, somebody sent a screenshot of the picks and said, wow, John, those are huge numbers. So they must be for those guys who are always making fun of me and trying to pick fights and sports debates that they said 117 and 59. That's a huge record. So I think you're right. If they're saying it, it must be true. Well, and nobody's that far behind. You know, everybody's in that 110 category. I think I'm I'm at 113. JB might be at 111 or something like that. Right. But th- those are still all in that 60-something percentile. They got they got to be. That's like great. I said, like I always say, we may not know as much as a a Belichick or an Andy Reid or a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean McVay, but for regular football guys out there, we know what we're talking about. That's why we got shows, right? That, well, I hope so. That's that's well. I'm I'm just here for the popcorn and the amusement myself. <laughs> Hey, but let's get into the football games, and and this is one of those intriguing games to me, because Detroit at Chicago is our first game, John, and this line hasn't moved all week long, and and there's been big things that have happened. You know, of course, Mike Mike Patricia is fired, and he's gone, so we're under a new regime there in Detroit, which seemed like forever ago that he he got fired at this point, and uh, that the last time Detroit played. Chicago's got Mitch Trubisky under center, and, and you have their head coach, firing off at the team, John, firing off after they got stomped. And he's talking about pride and he's talking about how they got to play hard and they need to look at themselves in the mirror and everything. And after that, you know what ended up happening? What? People started going down on the injury report all of a sudden. You know, Mac all of a sudden, he d- he can't practice anymore. You know, he's trying. Hey, here here you have uh, Gase trying to fire those, not Gase. Who, what's, his, what's his name? Nagy. You got Nagy, Nagy over yep. there trying to fire up his team, and his team looks at him, and he says, okay, we're not practicing anymore. You know, and I just wonder how the influence over him trying to fire up his Chicago Bears is going to have on the Chicago Bears, actually, in their play on the field. To me, I'm still on the same boat as I was last week. They're laying down. They're trying to get this guy out of here. And uh, right now, I wonder if uh, Detroit ends up getting a little shot in the arm because Patricia's not there anymore. You know what's really funny is that there was a viral video of the 20-year anniversary of Jim Mora going off on the media. Playoffs? You know, what do you mean playoffs? When it, I just hope we can win another game. That, you know, that, that literally was this week. So I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, Matt Nagy was on his phone or people were saying, hey, maybe maybe you need to make a stance in the media to shake these guys up because nothing's working. But I got to tell you something. The key point in that whole story is 20 years ago. That's the key. Players 20 years ago, they can handle that if you went to the media and you made a whole big stink about their performance and you said, we got to get better, whatever it is that you said, right? Mm -hmm. They can handle it. Nowadays, the players, no. The only way you can survive if you're a hard-nosed guy is if you have the Hall of Fame pedigree like a Belichick, like an Andy Reid, right? You could say whatever you want because you're a Hall of Famer. If you're not a Hall of Famer, if you're a Matt Nagy, the only way you can survive is if you stick with your players through thick and thin no matter what. Even if they're they're throwing games away and they're just taking a knee and they're just kneeling down and laying down, you can't do what he did. You can't go to the media and try to fight it there because who's surprised? I'm not the least bit surprised that these guys are ready to lay down. So that's, that's what happened there. As far as the game goes, I will tell you, you know how I feel. I'm very adamant about the quarterbacks constantly ranking and rating. You know, I got the uh, rankings up there on John Frisella Sports. I got to say, if you took away the two long balls that Trubisky threw in that game, 
He actually had a very good game throwing the ball. His two interceptions were downfield where he was just made up his mind that he was going to throw a bomb, and they were ugly. It was really bad. It was just mm-hmm. like throwing it to the other team. But his intermediate throws have so much more zip than Nick Foles. And, of course, there was a couple of plays in the second half where he scrambled. So I think overall, Trubisky gives him a better chance to win. But, yeah, I mean, you have a better look at it than I do with the effort. So I'm going to make this one simple. I'm going to take Detroit because you know how I feel about effort. If, if the Bears are going to lay down, even if I think Trubisky is better, I still got to take the Lions in this game. Oh, boy. Okay, I, I got to take, take the Bears. And it's just simply because some of those people are playing for contracts. They are playing for a little bit of pride. And I'm talking about on the offensive side of things. Mm-hmm. I think that the defense still lays down because they don't want to hear a single word. And they want Pagano to be the head coach there. In my opinion, that's what the defense wants to do. And uh, I could see the Bears just laying down all but the offense. And I can, I'm definitely taking the over in this game. I know that's 45, but there's going to be absolutely no defense played in this game whatsoever unless my pulse is not right or what I have feel for the pulse of the Chicago Bears is not right. I just could take the over on this one, but I will take the Bears uh, just because it's a, it's a, it's a minus three, and I can't see Detroit scoring that many points. I, I don't know. It's going to be back and forth affair. Last touchdown wins. That's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, it could be that. Obviously, the big issue for Detroit all season has been keeping Kenny Galladay healthy, right? They're just oh, – yeah, yeah. we've talked about this time and time again. Wide receiver separation is just so important, and Kenny Galladay is one of the best in the league, and every time he misses a game, they look like a team that if they're going to win – they're going to have to win tight. They're going to have to win close. They're not going to pull away from anybody, right? Uh, but, I, again, I'm going to go with Detroit because every time we've seen a coaching change this year, it's had that age-old thing where the team, for at least one game, they give you a lot of energy and a lot of fight. So uh, I'll go with Detroit. You'll go with Chicago, and it'll be a tight one. Yeah, and I'm just leaning Chicago on that one. I don't really have a great feel for this ball game, except for the over. I just think no defense is going to be played whatsoever. I think the over is a breadwinner for me this week, Johnny. Interesting. Uh, it, it did go down a half a point from 45 to 44 and a half. So we'll see where that goes by kickoff. Okay. Uh, we have Cincinnati at Miami. Right now we have listed at Miami uh, with Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback. I just can't see that happening again. I just can't. I can't see that happening, John. And uh, right now the point total has stayed just about the same. It's sitting at 42 and a half points for the game. But Miami is favored by 11 points. They're not that good. The defense isn't that good to be able to do that. Or is Vegas thinking Cincinnati's just that bad? Yeah, I think, well, it's a combination of both, right? It's it's sort of like that game where we had Pittsburgh against Jacksonville when Luton was the quarterback, right? That's a, that's a good example. I think what Vegas is thinking is if you dominate on both sides of the ball just enough over each quarter of the game, by the end, you're going to hit that big spread. The only difference is I agree with you, my friend, not Vegas on this one. I don't think Miami with Tua is that good, is good enough to win by that many points. Uh, I actually think it's going to be a lot closer um, I wasn't totally, Brandon Allen wasn't totally dreadful. You know, right. it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. He's obviously better than Ryan Finley, which, you know, Zach Taylor, their coach is an offensive minded coach. You know, he's one of those young quote unquote gurus. So he has a good eye for it. So I'm, I'm not surprised that Allen's a little bit better than Finley. Um, I do think Miami will win because they do find a way. And I think the defense will be the key to winning the game straight up, but I'm actually going to go really close. I'm going to go with the dolphins only winning this by a field goal. So the the Bengals are going to cover the spread by a pretty decent margin. I have the Bengals covering the spread, and I personally like the over 
if it happens to be with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If it's Tua, you know that Miami's going to end up playing a lot of ball control game because that's just what they do with Tua back there. But if it's Fitz, they have a whole different playbook, it seems like. Or maybe or maybe Fitz just has a whole different playbook himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, he, gets I mean, the- he, do- he does, though. It's If you watch the two of them play, Fitz is making a lot more throws where he's just being intuitive about where the player's going to be after he throws it. That takes years and years of experience, right? Tua doesn't have that. Tua needs the play to develop into an open route. Uh, Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball into an area like he does with Devontae Parker. So you're right, you're, you're right about that. It's, it's just a different style and a different way of playing. Yeah, I would take the over if Fitz ends up playing. I'm taking Cincinnati as well. Very good call there. Indianapolis, John, versus the Houston Texans, who have lost their big powerhouse right here. Indianapolis is actually really banged up all over the field. It feels like they're really banged up. And Phillip Rivers had his worst game of the season last week against the Tennessee Titans. And and it just really appeared to me that he was struggling from a health standpoint with that toe. And I'm curious as to whether or not this is a get-right spot for him against Houston. This line has dropped down to the Indianapolis Colts being favored by three points, and the game total has dropped to 51 points. Yeah, this is a, this is a game where you're going to see what the Colts are made of mentally. Uh, I think after that game last week, I mean, can you talk about embarrassing? In my opinion... That was the most embarrassing game in the season, right? When a, when a bad team gets blown out by a really good team, it's not that embarrassing. It's what we expect. When you play your division rival that you beat about three weeks earlier and you get mopped, totally mopped, yeah. you, you got to find out who you are afterward, right? Here's my problem. It's only 39% on the Texans and they're the home team. I, I don't think the Colts are going to get right here. I, I think this might be back-to-back division losses for them and they're going to question their standing. Uh, in the AFC and where they really are in the thick of things. So uh, I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson down the stretch here. I believe we will have David Johnson back, who clearly Duke Johnson did nothing other than catch one receiving touchdown in three games. So he basically was a zero. So I think David Johnson gives him a little bit bump up in the offense. Um, Of course, unfortunately, the big loss for them is Will Fuller. So this is going to come. This is a tightrope more than any game because I've already looked ahead to the other games. You're going to walk the tightrope here and at the 39% mark, I'm going to have to take the Texans because I just don't trust the Colts after last week's debacle. I know that Houston's defense is a sieve, right? I mean, they they let up a lot of points, right? But they've also... Uh, been getting towards the quarterback, and I'm, I guess I'm remembering Thanksgiving, and it just seems like they're heating up a little bit, and and they're coming to life a little bit more to me on that defensive line. Uh, if Indianapolis does not run the ball a bunch, this game could get really over the over in a hurry. I think it's 51 points, and I know I keep saying that, and last week when I was looking at the point totals, I was going, dog, that's a low-scoring game. Man, that's a low-scoring game. I was wrong on that. I was wrong on that, but it just feels to me like this one's going to be in the over spot because uh, neither defense, both defenses, a little bit. Uh, no, neither defense is going to be able to stop each other from throwing the football, in my opinion. And it's just going to be a, a day where everybody throws. Yeah, just just be careful with that though, because JJ Watt has been on a, a resurgence, oh. right? He's yeah, because yeah, I always dog him because if you look at his career stats and you look at his last four years, he's barely played any games. And yet he still gets a lot of credit for what he does, which I don't think is fair to these guys that are out there, defensive players playing 14, 15, 16 games a year. But in the last three weeks, right, not only on Thanksgiving, I had seen the previous game, he blocked four passes. You can't get the ball around him. If you're Phillip Rivers and you're you're struggling a little bit after that last performance, you got to watch out for JJ, man. He's going to come ready to eat. So I got to disagree with you on that. I got to go under, and it also it's dropped a point and a half from 52 to 50 and a half. So it's going in that downward trajectory. I think this game's going to be around 44 points. I think it's going to go under pretty easily. 
Uh, And I'll take Houston in a tight one. Okay, I'll take the over because I do think that there's going to be some defensive opportunities there with both of those quarterbacks, and it's just going to be a, a shootout affair. Okay, that's what I think. Las Vegas at your – oh, wait, I skipped one. Jacksonville at Minneapolis. Uh, boy, John, John, Jacksonville, Mike Glennon, come on, baby. Let's go. I have got to ask you a serious question because I, we've talked before about Kyler Murray carrying right. – some of our fantasy teams and just being great as far as the fantasy season goes. And now all of a sudden he's got an injury. He's banged up his shoulder and he's looking tentative out there on the field. And I don't know if he, he's a young guy. Does he know how to play through this injury? Is he trusting his body enough? and, 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 you know, the part about the feet, the part about running, it's not there anymore. His fantasy numbers have dwindled. I am debating on whether or not to pick up Mike Glennon to carry me through the fantasy playoffs, John, is what I'm trying to think about. At least streaming options, and he's looking pretty good. Glennon didn't look bad last week, and he almost had 20 fantasy points. John, talk me down off of this ledge of dropping Kyler Murray. You know how I am. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at the bottom right-hand corner of my computer screen right now, and I'm checking the date, and I'm just like, is it April 1st? Are we are we talking April Fools right now? Are you seriously asking me if you should play Mike Glennon over Kyler Murray? I I honestly don't. I feel like I've somehow levitated. I am now up in the solar system on some other different planet. Uh, no, I'm not ever gonna play Mike Glennon. I don't care if Kyler Murray is gonna have to play lefty because of his shoulder. If he plays with the wrong arm, I'm still gonna play him over Mike Glennon. But I will say no. I will say this though on a, on a positive note for what you said. I do. I was impressed by Glennon's performance as a singular performance with Jacksonville having some injuries and him doing a pretty decent job. So hats off to Mike Glennon for doing well and and doing what he can for Jacksonville as an organization there. But fantasy-wise, I mean, are you kidding me? Kyler Murray, as you know, that one league I'm in, my home league, I've won 10 in a row now and I'm in first place. Kyler Murray's been my quarterback. Again, if he's not out, if I don't see an O next to his name, he's my starting quarterback and there's no way I would ever play Mike Glennon over him. I'm just looking for contingency plans because I think that this shoulder injury is a little bit worse than what I think. I have it on my radar, okay? I'm not right. dropping him this week. But I'm, if he puts up another uh, under 10 points, it's going to be really highly – I'm going to have to pick up another quarterback. I'll have to pick up another quarterback. But this game right here, we have a 51-point total for this game, and it, it actually went up a little bit just by one point. And also the Minnesota Vikings are favored now by 10. It started out at 9 earlier this week, John. It, it, a lot of love going towards Minneapolis. Yeah, that's that's shocking. Uh, in all honesty, that's shocking. I, I, I know it's a home game, and they absolutely are player for player a lot better than Jacksonville. By the way, Minnesota is a strange case, right? Because you're talking about Dalvin Cook is probably the best running back in the league or second best or third best, right? He's in the top three, right? As we know, pro football focus has been ranking Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson as two two of the best all-around wide receivers in the NFL the entire year, not in recent weeks. So now you're talking three of the best offensive players in the league, and yet they're not, they don't have a winning record. Right. So it's a weird, it's a strange team. Uh, they did start, as we talked about in past episodes, they did start to get things going when they got Jefferson more involved in the offense. And that's why their record has improved. But to be a 10 and a half point favorite on some of the books, uh, the way that Glennon played last week and the fact that we know they can run it a little bit with uh, with uh, Robinson. Robinson. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think that Jacksonville is going to lose this game by six. So Minnesota is uh, going to win this game for the fit picks. But I got to go with Jacksonville to cover the spread. That's too high. It's just too many points for me. Yeah, I like Jacksonville as well. If anything, they can they, they have a lot of offensive power. It just doesn't seem like they're quitting either as much as I thought that they would be. But they are right in line for that first pick, John. And and <laughs> I had them I had them winning one game this year. 
whenever we did that show earlier. I'm right on point, baby. I'm doing really well with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I do. I have them uh, covering this spread, and I like the over in this game as well for me. Uh, no breadwinner, just leaning towards the over. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. If Glennon can repeat it all in this game, it's going to go over because between those three stars that Minnesota has, I don't see how Jacksonville's defense is going to get any stops, right? So I, I think Cousins is a good play for DFS this week. Uh, he was a good price at 6400 in my column over at Aaron Torres online. I, I put him as the safest pick uh, for a quarterback play this week. So I, I agree with you. I'm definitely taking the over there. And one more comment on Jacksonville. I do wonder, though, what their record would have been if they had Minshew all along. Because when I was doing the quarterback rankings, I really got a good chance to kind of look into the numbers very deeply. Um, you know, he's got 13 touchdowns with only five interceptions and a 95 quarterback rating on a bad team. I do think if he was there, they would have had a better record. But, hey, that's a what if. At the end of the day, they only have one win. Yeah, and it's amazing, too, how he wasn't able to use DJ Shark that well. It, you know, just it, He didn't have that connection with Shark, and I really wonder how Glennon's going to have that connection. I guess that takes what? Who was it? Charles Johnson? Off the fantasy radars, and that who Glennon was passing Colin, to last Colin week? Johnson. Yeah, Colin Char Johnson. Charles Johnson. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty common name. That was a catcher. Charles Johnson was a catcher for the Florida Marlins. He was a big power hitting player, and it was also a wide receiver. If I, if memory serves, I believe he played for Florida State, but I'm not 100% sure. He was a pretty decent player in the NFL as well. But yeah, this one's Colin Johnson. I don't know that much about him either, so I'm with you on that. Yeah, just what if he turns into the fantasy darling? And by the way, I, Kyle Rudolph has showed up on the fantasy radar for tight ends, which mm -hmm. is always a tough one to find. And, mm -hmm. he, you know, he's not, of course, with Adam Thielen out last week, he had a really good game. But it just seems like he's going to be one of those five to six targets because Irv Smith has been out for quite a long time for Minnesota. So I just want to put that on people's fantasy radar, not to forget about Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, the key absolutely is Irv Smith's injury status. So just before you go ahead and put uh, Rudolph in there on your 14 team or your 16 team leagues, you know, where there's a lot of teams and a lot of coaches, just double check that injury status for Irv Smith. Yeah, I know he's out this week again. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah, this week he's out. I just mean week to week. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders traveling to your New York Jets. That was a complete car wreck last week, John, for the Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders. I mean, that was that was terrible. And the public thinks this is a great bounce-back opportunity. So far against the spread, everybody is betting Vegas. 65% of the money's coming in on Vegas right now, John, and they are favored by eight points. But this point total has dropped from 48 for the game all the way down to 46 and a half right now. John, i got to get your feelings on this because you really pay attention to those New York teams uh, that don't seem to be going away right now. Yeah, no, they don't go away. You know, that goes back to what you said about Jacksonville. You know, there there's four teams that we've discussed thus far, and they continue to come up throughout the year in terms of effort and coaching. Uh, Detroit and Chicago, who have better records than the Jets and Jacksonville, if you ask my opinion, the Jets and Jacksonville play a lot harder than both of those teams. So, yeah, and, and you saw it last week with the Jets. I don't know if, if you had an opportunity to check it out at all, but I'm talking about a monster defensive performance where they forced a couple of fumbles. They got after the quarterback. You had guys chest bumping each other, going crazy on the sideline. I mean, talk about a team that hasn't won a game playing absolutely crazy with the effort. So you're 100% right about that. The Jets do not lay down. And let me go one step further. The only other time I had a Jet lock this year, it hit. That was against the Chargers when they backdoored the spread. And we said, there's just by the end of the game, the Jets are going to cover. This is my second Jets lock of the season. Last, I'll give you a little background. Darnold, who obviously struggles against most teams, he shredded the Raiders last year. Shredded them. They had no answer for him in his intermediate throws or in the red zone. So he has a good background and his confidence will be higher against this team than any other teams. And also, 
the line is too high at eight, and it's only 35% on the Jets. So if you add up all those factors, I'm absolutely going to take the Jets. Uh, what I'm scared to say is I hope they don't get their first win. But you, you know I like both teams because I like the Raiders before the year. So I'm hoping that this is going to be the Jets lose by three because we really need to get Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I, I agree with you. I take the Jets. Not only that, uh, um, when you talked about uh, what's their quarterback? Who's their quarterback name? Sam Darnold. Yeah. Darnold, thank you. Yeah. But Darnold, Darnold, this is like an audition for him. This is a job interview for him because so many rumors are out there that he's not going to be with the Jets next season. And one of those teams that he's connected to is the Las Vegas Raiders. So I could see him really coming out here wanting to make a statement, regardless of if it's for the Raiders or for the Jets or whatever. You know, it just this is an interview for him. This is a time to shine. And if they don't win this game, this is the only game they have a chance of winning. I agree with you completely. That minus eight is too many points for a team that got slapped around last week by a pretty good defense. And this New York Jet defense is pretty good as well. Uh, maybe the physicality is just not there for Las Vegas right now. Maybe the season's getting a little bit too long. It really looks like they need some home cooking to me. So I will definitely take the Jets as well. That's a breadwinner for me. And and in order to do that, I think in order for the Jets to win, this game's going to have to go under. Yeah, that's the way they want to play. But then again, if Darnold has one of his better games, uh, you know that would be the way to get to the over. But I, I'm with you because the points dropped. Right, uh, late the later you get in the season the more those line indicators start to come into play, right? Because Vegas knows a lot more now than they did early in the year where, yes, they got their algorithms, but they still need to do guesswork on just how good certain teams are and just how bad certain teams are. Now they have the data that they, they want, right? So when you see the line go from 48 on the over-under for Jets and Raiders, and now you see 46 on multiple books, I got to go under, but it's going to be close because the, the Jets offense will be a little bit better. So you're going to go low 40s here for the game total. And let's talk DFS for one second. Mm -hmm. uh, Darnold seemed to come in and take a liking to Denzel Mims more than his old buddy Crowder and Perryman, who was more of a Joe Flacco guy. So of the three Jets wide receivers, it looks like Darnold was like, hey, let's see what, what Mims can do, the rookie, and he could, we could put him in some different situations and he could do some things for us. Boy, the, the three wide receivers. You look at that team, that Jet team, and and in those places that they need the physical guy, the the guy who looks the part. The wide receivers look the part, man. The tight end looks the part. The quarterback looks the part. They're just not able to put it all together. And to me, that always goes back to the coaching. They can't put the pieces together right like that. So uh, it, it's amazing that that. Gases are pay, uh, Gase is still the quarterback. Well, I, I, I get them all confused. The Gases, the Paces, the Naces, I get them all confused. <laughs> They're all jumbled up. They're all aces in my book, you know. Yeah, well, you have all the guys with the four-letter names. That's yes. your problem. So you oh. got Gaze, you got Nagy, and you got Pace. So you got three guys that are relevant to you. Wasn't Gaze the, the offensive coordinator or the quarterback's coach for the Bears as well? At and some that point? hurts yeah, that hurts me as well. Yes, he was he was he was one of the offensive coordinators, I believe, before he went to the Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken. So that's uh, yes. Right. So you have that, and of course, Pace is the GM, and and we know about Nagy, who you never get his name right. Um, but yeah, if you if you take all three of those guys with the four letters, you're going to have some overlap in your mind. Well, there's no reason to get attached to any of them by the season <laughs> end. They're all going to be gone anyway. So uh, next year, look for me to hit those names just perfectly next year for all three of those teams. <laughs> hey, we got New Orleans versus the Atlanta Falcons, who just will not go away. What a statement they made last week. I don't care if it was against the Raiders. I don't care what it was. Any team out there with that losing of a record, not having Julio Jones, just comes out there and slaps somebody around like they did on the football field, really means that they're in this for the long haul. I think they think that they could still sneak into the playoffs somehow, some way, but 
they are facing the New Orleans Saints, who are coming into this game uh, really as a favorite by three points, John. It's dropped by a half a point, but they're favored by three points, and this game total is at 46. Tell me your thoughts on this rematch from just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, you're right about the teams that want to stick around, right? Atlanta's one of them, and my team is back in the mix, right? Shout out to my buddy Steve Summer because he also likes the 49ers. They're back in the mix, man. That was a big yep. oh, win yeah. over the Rams. You know, It's so crazy, though, when you look at the 49ers and also Atlanta, but when you look at the 49ers, when they start to get even one of their real pieces back, they overnight, they morph back into a contender. All they got was Debo Samuel back. They still got Nick Mullins playing quarterback. That's nothing to write home about. They still got George Kittle and Bosa on the sideline, but they brought back one guy, Debo Samuel, and they beat the Rams just by bringing back one of their good players. So that just goes to show you when the 49ers are at full strength, full blast, I still think they're the best team in the NFC, but they're not going to get there because they're not going to get all those guys back. But yeah, back to Atlanta. That's the other team. Those are the two teams that are saying, don't quit. We're playing this to the end. Listen, the line dropped here. Uh, It's not Drew Brees. Right, It's been a good go so far for New Orleans with Taysom Hill. I got to think maybe at some point he's going to hit a wall just for a temporary game. So I'm going to stick with the hot hand and the team that helped me out last week. I'm going to go with Atlanta because it's 48% on them. So it's a flip with the uh, percentages. But the line did drop a half a point from three and a half to three. And the over-under is pointing toward that ugly style that Atlanta has been able to pull off. That a little bit of a grind. Uh, you know, let's let's run the clock down a little bit, going from 47 and a half here to 46 points uh, on DraftKings, New Jersey. So if you add all those things together, it looks like an ugly sort of grind, sort of coup is leading the, the voting for a Pro Bowl as a kicker. So this could be a coup game at home in a division rivalry. I'm going to take Atlanta because it's not Drew Brees at quarterback for the Saints. Yeah, I'm going to take Atlanta, too. I think I think the Atlanta defense may have felt like they were a little bit embarrassed by Taysom Hill that first game. And, and really, if you go back and you watch that game, he was very fortunate not to have a couple of those balls picked. Uh, look, it, Atlanta's coming out with their hair on fire. They may even get Julio Jones back this game. I'm not sure that you can trust him from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, they're, of course, they're not going to be able to run the ball, so this is going to really be coming down to Matt Ryan and can he uh, go through that secondary that New Orleans has. And I don't see why not, but I really love this Atlanta Falcon defense right now. They are just playing very, very hard, and I could see them getting a couple of turnovers. I will lean Atlanta as well and that under, like you said. Yeah, I mean, just keep an eye on for DFS, the running back situation for Atlanta. It sounds like Gurley might be ready to go, right? So all that talk we did about Brian Hill and your your great buddy, Ito Smith. Hey, it's great that we went from the beginning of the season where we were talking sleepers and you had Devontae Booker and you had Ito Smith on your list. And here we are at the end of the year. They both made it to the promised land. Ito Smith had his game last week. He had about 65 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Booker had his game a couple weeks ago with two touchdowns. And now Josh Jacobs' health is uh, questionable, is a little bit shaky right now. So your your sleepers made it. So hats off to Loafin' It, who picked out a couple of guys who eventually got their opportunity to shine. Well, yeah, and, and Booker was just one of those valuable valuable handcuffs to me because I know Jacobs and his health concerns uh, each, each year he scares me a little bit just I've seen him in Alabama so many times get banged up and Booker was one of those guys that I was like okay you got to have him as a bench stash because Vegas just goes through their running backs so much uh, as far as their offensive play schemes go and and Ito Smith man he's just he's just too talented to be sitting on the sidelines the entire time and I just thought that he would get a chance to shine but of course it's hard to stash your <laughs> Ito Smiths of the world in your lineups whenever you got all these COVID restrictions and all that, but I'm glad he was on some people's radars anyway, and they were able to benefit from it. 
Yeah, that's just, and this is a good game overall for running backs because another guy that you and I have mentioned more than a lot of other shows, right? Not, you know, we encourage you to support the fantasy community, but hey, make sure you listen to our show. But yeah. when I hear other shows, nobody talks about Latavius Murray. And right. we've been saying all year, look, he's a steady guy. He's not, he's not going to win you the championship. But then again, I had him in there last week in my 14 team league, and he had 26 points. I mean, he just exploded for a big game. So he's been a steady about eight points every week. But just the fact that he's there, and again, we're, a lot of us are playing in the deeper leagues. That's what we're talking about. We're not right. talking about playing Latavius Murray in a 10-team league. We're talking about 14 or 16 teams. So this is a good game for our running backs. And, you know, as far as Brian Hill goes for Atlanta, he's mm -hmm. a weird guy. He's just one of those guys where he looks really good on one or two plays. But over the course of the game, you're like, how old is this guy? Is he old? Is he young? Some plays he's got a burst. You know, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a messy spot. So So forget about the Atlanta uh, running backs in this game because they're all going to share. Uh, you're better off going with your your Saints guys. But either way, this is probably a little bit low scoring for a division battle. Yeah, Brian Hill looks good against players who are tired. That's what right. he looks like. <laughs> Coming in fresh off the bench. He looks good for those three or four plays while everybody's tired getting a breather. Oh, girl, he's out of here. Ooh, let's take a break. And then all of a sudden, Brian Hill whoo, just runs around. Here, and then the fantasy owners are like, hey, look at that guy. You know? <laughs> That's exactly what it is because I get those messages from people because a lot of people ask me about lineup decisions and they and a lot of them say hey Brian Hill looked good and it's it's what you said it's like yeah he looked good for a couple of plays but you you know the whole game is not revolving around a couple of plays you got to sustain it at the running back position so yeah he's he's been one of those mixed bag guys that you just got to stay away from Speaking of running backs, this next game has got all we want for running backs. Uh, John, uh, Cleveland uh, Browns versus the Tennessee Titans. And the, this game total has dropped one point. It's gone down to 53 points. And the spread has moved to minus five and a half over the Titans. It started out at six, so it's not really dropped a lot, but it's at minus five and a half right now for the Titans. So the Titans are favored by five and a half. John, there's a bit some trash talking which I do not think is wise by any coach to give bulletin board material to any player whatsoever. We saw that happen last week with DK Metcalf right before the game. And now the Cleveland Browns have been talking about how Nick Chubb needs to be mentioned in the same breaths with uh, Derrick Henry. And I just, I, I, I don't want to disagree with them, but at the same time, I just wouldn't want to publicly come out and say something like that. You know what? I, I don't mind it just because this is a team that's going to have to get by on their toughness. Right. The, the top to bottom with the Browns, that that's the way they're going to need to win is with toughness. So that is represented by a strong running game and playing down in the trenches. So I don't mind it. You know, it's it's a, a risky thing when you do bulletin board material with the quarterbacks or if you you're pumping up your quarterback. Right. Because that can get in their own head. Like if you if they were saying Baker Mayfield's a guy that can go shot for shot with Tannehill, I'd be worried that Baker Mayfield was going to throw three picks. You know what I'm saying? Something like that, that that would get in his head. But because it's the running game and it's a physical representation of the team, uh, I'm okay with that. And I got to tell you, here's one of my locks of the week. It's been a lock for me all year. When you get a team that's been playing pretty down the field, passing football like Tennessee did last week, mixing and matching it with the great running game. And they had a tremendous all around offensive game that everybody's talking about. And then they go and play the team that's not so flashy. That's when the team that's not so flashy covers the spread. It's been like 100%. So who's the who's the less uh, you know bright lights team here? It's Cleveland. So I'm right. going no no hesitation, not thinking about anything other than the fact that Cleveland's going to do what they do. They're going to play a physical game and run the ball with the two guys with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Stefanski's going to have them going left, right, up the center, toss to the outside, fake the handoff, a little bit of motion, all that stuff. Uh, the Browns are going to cover this one. This this is a, a breadwinner, no question for me. 
Ooh, wow. Okay. All right. It's going to be hard for me to go against Tennessee and being at home and Cleveland coming on, all, you know, on another road little stint here. And I know that they love this is going to be the second week in a row that they've been on the road. I know they'd love being away from Cleveland. <laughs> Just who, who wouldn't at this point whenever they got to play in Cleveland and have all the rain and sleet and snow and all this nasty weather. But it's going to be nice and pretty here. I, I just can't go against the Titans at home. And it's one of those things, again, where I'm like uh, that same rehearsal line that we've always been saying all year long. I can see Tennessee scored one at the end and just really dominating in the fourth quarter. But until Derrick Henry proves me wrong about that in December, I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans. But I agree that the, that the clock is going to be moving, moving, moving. And I think that the under is a pretty good lock right here just because of all the point totals that have gone under the last couple of weeks. No doubt. No, this is definitely an under because, well, for me, right, because like we talk about, if you're going to play both, if you're going to bet both in the same game, the line and the over-under, you need to think about the storyline of that game. So if I'm locked in on Cleveland, then I'm locked in on the rushing attack, and that's going to be an under. This game's going to be in the 40s for me. I don't think it's going to get over even 50 when the opening over-under on this game was 54. Right. So I don't think we're going to get there on that. So, yeah, I definitely think under, um, you know, it's just it's just one of those games where I know people are going to be thinking about how many points Tennessee scored last week. And that's always a no, no. Right. Mm. That's always a no, no in betting. So I, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Bold prediction of the week. This is going to be one of my games in the fit picks where I take the Browns in the fit picks with no spread and everybody else in the pool takes Tennessee. So you heard that, JB. You heard that, Pierre. You heard that, Bobby Smith. I'm going for it. I'm taking Cleveland. Well, and and I think the public agrees with you. 60% on the money line right now for the Cleveland Browns. So that's a that's a good call. Uh, all right, let's look here. The New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Daniel Jones, man, dog got it. I just it makes me so upset, John. My my Giants were coming around. I was starting to look like a genius. Everybody was telling me, hey, no, 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 no. And now all of a sudden the Giants were looking really good. And then Colt McCoy has to get under there and start playing for the New York Giants. I can't see how they're going to cover the spread. I can't see how they even need to even show up but john i just i don't know 47 points right now is the game total and the seattle seahawks are favored by 11 i think you're right in terms of football sense right so just in the pure football aspects of this game there's no way you can see the giants getting there right you just can't see it playing out that way the only possibility is seattle thinking the same way that you are right that's the only they're saying hey by the time we get to the end of the game, there's no way they could beat us. You think Colt McCoy is going to go shot for shot with Russell Wilson down the stretch? It ain't going to happen. So, you know, and remember, the teams don't think about the spread. They're not, you know what I mean? It's not Pete Rose. They're not betting on their own team. So, you know, the, the, that's the only way the Giants get there is that Seattle has a lazy game. Uh, and then they just go ahead and they win it straight up at the end, you know, by seven or by four or by three, whatever it might be. That's the only chance. But I think I am going to go with you on this. I just uh, it's it's a tough blow for the Giants. Um, mm -hmm. McCoy, you already know once you have him under center that you're giving away your sophistication of your offense to the other team. Right. So you're, you're already telling Seattle we're not going to be airing it out with Colt McCoy in there. We're going to be handing it off. So it hurts you because it's very easy to game plan for that defensively. But. The John Frisella jinx. I want to apologize to the Seattle Seahawks and their fans. I've been talking Carlos Dunlap up on this show, on the fact that they made the acquisition in the first place on Twitter. I pointed it out. And then the guy immediately goes and gets hurt, right? So at the end of the day, from a football standpoint, I absolutely think Seattle should cover the spread. But because no Dunlap and because the Giants are feisty, I'm going to go right at the top of the line on this one which I haven't done so much on this one. I've been going away from it. The top of the line, I'm going to go with the Seahawks to win this game by eight 
which means the Giants are just going to get there because Seattle doesn't care about the spread. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks, and I can't see the Giants moving the ball at all, so I will lean on the under as well. Uh, and, John, i got to point out two things. One, Jarvis Landry has started looking good for Cleveland. At least he came to life last week. And yep. two, your other guy, Golden Tate, seemed to have a little bit of a connection with McCoy whenever McCoy came in the game instead of like an Evan Ingram or somebody like that around that line of scrimmage or even a Sterling Shepard. seemed to be a Golden Tate connection with McCoy. Right. That's a great point because not even just Golden Tate on his own in this situation, like we always talk about with Bridgewater, how that changed things for who gets the targets on Carolina, right? Robbie Anderson became a favorite. Curtis Samuel got his. DJ Moore's not going to be able to get 1,200 yards the way he did last year with a new quarterback. Same situation here. You get you bring in a Colt McCoy. He's a veteran guy. He might go, you know what? I get in a jam here uh, on a tough third down or in a spot where I got to make a play. I'm going to look for the guy who knows how to use his physicality, right? Golden Tate's not a big guy, but he likes to bump guys off the ball. He's physical. And that's, that's what I liked about him from the beginning is just that he's a smart player. We're not, we're not talking about a guy that was going to have 1500 yards, but from the beginning of the year, I was saying he might, might get you 800, 850 yards and maybe five or six touchdowns, a solid, a solid veteran. So you're right. That's when you change quarterbacks, they start to look at guys that weren't within the scope of what the previous quarterback was doing. And now this guy says, well, wait a minute. That's my guy when I'm in the gym. You're funny. You're funny, John, because you are saying Colt McCoy is processing all that stuff right now in his head. And I don't, I don't know that that's true. He goes, ooh, there's a blue guy. Boom. He throws the ball. Ooh, there's a blue guy. Boom. He throws the ball. It, it, he, he, oh, oh, hey, look at the separation that he, he look. He, you're no, no. Colt McCoy is not doing that. Colt McCoy is going, ooh, blue guy. All right. So anyway, Los Angeles Rams versus the Arizona Cardinals, John. This one looks like it is just going to be a slaughter fest for the Los Angeles Rams, in my opinion. They are favored by three points. This is crossed over. The, the Arizona Cardinals were favored by one point going into this week, and now the Rams are favored by three points. This point total, though, has stayed exactly the same at 48. So this looks weird. I think Vegas knows that Kyler Murray's shoulders messed up. They are now going to just... They're, they are dropping Kyler Murray as well. I think I'm going to look like a genius for picking up Mike Glennon and starting him in my fantasy leagues that's going <laughs> to carry me to a championship because Vegas knows Murray's shoulders messed up, and that's why they all of a sudden switched over to the Rams by three. I'm Look, uh, Rams, I'm taking the Rams, and I'm taking the under because the Arizona Cardinals cannot score the football this week. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, right? So let me let me say this. I would say the game of the week is the Browns and the Titans, right? I think that's going to be a very interesting, yes. awesome game. But the storyline of the week is exactly what we're talking about here. The storyline is, is Arizona, as an organization, going to make a decision to put Kyler Murray at risk for the rest of the season, right? So if they believe they can still make the playoffs, they're going to have to tell him, dude, you're going to have to run, right? Unfortunately, of course, they're talking about this stuff every second. They're, they're having these meetings between their guys without Kyler there right? With their general manager and their front office guys and Cliff Kingsbury. They're saying, what should we do? Should we, should we tell him he's going to need to take off? And then they're going to have those same meetings with Kyler there and say, how do you feel? Do you feel like you can take a shot from Aaron Donald if you take off and he, he tracks you down from behind when you make a sideways move? Can you take that kind of hit from him? So, you know, there's a lot that's being talked about. This is the storyline of the week. Um, I Look, I agree with you. I'm definitely nervous about him for fantasy. I agree with 100%. And I have to take the Rams because the line crossed over and it's still it's only 54% on the Rams. It's not like the line crossed over because 80% of the people are betting on the Rams. It's only 54. 
So I got to go with you. I do think it'll be closer because Arizona needs the game. So I don't think you think it might be a blowout. I think it's going to be one touchdown. So I'm going to take the Rams to win this one by seven points. And also, I want to point out here in this super, and if you're in super flex leagues, which is the first year I've ever been in a super flex league, right. and it, you know it's it's really hard to find people on the waiver wire. It may be a good idea, especially quarterbacks. It may be a good idea to go ahead and go pick up those backups for Arizona right now. I had them written down somewhere in my weekly notes, Sean, and they they have slipped me. They have just gone bye bye. I don't know where they That's are. That's all anymore. right, buddy. That's okay. I can help you with that because remember, I did the quarterback list. So oh, I can okay. Exactly so right off the top are. of your head, you have these two guys, and I found it. So I, you're 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 on the clock, baby. Go okay. ahead, John. For 200 right. points, do you have uh, the backup quarterbacks for the Arizona Cardinals? Off the top of my head, I recall Brett Hundley, who was formerly with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he got some playing time when Rodgers was out in the past, so I believe he's one of them. And the other one is I remember specifically because he was the last man on on the list, and I don't really know that much about him. His name, I believe, is Chris Streveler. So I'm going to go with Brett Hundley and Chris Streveler. Those are my answers. You're wrong. It's Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner. Okay. What year is this? Oh man, uh, what? Wes is stuck in the late '90s again. Here, here he goes oh, with that backwards time warp. No, but that, you're back, on. You're on point. You're on. By the way, let me those. let me just say they'd be better off with those two guys. <laughs> you're right about that. They'd be better off with Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. Oh, you're boy. probably right. So who did you take in that game? Because I was distracted. I, I went with you. I, I took the Rams, but not for a blowout. I, I took the Rams because it crossed over and it's only 54%. I got him to win by seven. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, next game. Let's see right here. Oh, we got the Philadelphia. You know what I've done? I have done this like three times so far as I've written down on my sheet of paper. And I do this kind of while we're talking and everything. I have written down the New Orleans Saints like four times in all these games. I don't, I don't this, this is going to be a mess whenever I try to go back and look at our <laughs> statistics, John. All right. We got the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Green Bay Packers right now. And the Philadelphia Eagles are one of those intriguing teams. The storyline has just gotten juicier and juicier all game long. And this is one of the biggest movers of the week as far as the line goes. Green Bay Packers were favored by six and a half at the start of the week. This line has moved now to where the Packers are favored by nine points. The game total, though, has stuck right around the same total. It's at 49 right now. John, tell me, tell me, tell me that finally Carson Wentz will be able to do a little bit of something here. 62% of the money's coming in on Green Bay. Should Philadelphia be able to cover this game? You know, it's one of the fun things about doing this show every week is you, you, we get into certain patterns and certain things to look for. You know I have one game every week where I don't do any analysis. I make an instant pick. The instant pick is until Philadelphia shows me they can put it together, I'm not taking them. I don't care if it's 90% on Green Bay. So my instant pick in this game is I'm taking the Packers to blow the doors off them. Uh, I, do, I do like the over. Because this this is the way I see the story playing out. I see the Packers going up three touchdowns, and then the best time for Carson Wentz is always garbage time. That's when he gets his fantasy stats. So I, I like the over, and I like the Packers to hit that line. I'm going to take the Packers to win it by 14. Okay, I, I'm going to put Philadelphia in there because, like you said, the backdoor covers. Philadelphia, man, Wentz is just awesome. They, hey, the backdoor man, I don't know what that means uh, in this world, but – uh, Philadelphia's there, and I love the over, too. I, the 49 points just seems like a low point total for these two teams who can really find the end zone. And if Miles Sanders, if they do not give that ball to Miles Sanders 20 times this game, I don't care. 25 touches altogether is what Miles Sanders has to have in order for the Philadelphia Eagles to even have a shot at winning this game. And for me, if they don't get that, they just that's a bad coaching job. Like you said, a really good point. This has become one of the most interesting storylines of the season. And I got to say... I have always supported Doug Peterson because you can tell the players like playing for him. Right. But 
I specifically remember, and this is why football is such a weird thing when you're not, when you don't have one of those guys who's consistently like a Belichick or a Reed or even some of these young guys coming up that are consistently good, right? It's very odd. I specifically remember when the Eagles went to Doug Peterson as the head coach, and you could actually Google this. The article still exists. There were a number of articles saying Doug Peterson cannot be a head coach in the NFL, that he has no idea what he's doing at that level, right? So that's a weird, it's a very weird distinction because this is a guy who's won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and beat Belichick, right? So it makes you, it makes you wonder, what's the truth? Was he not prepared from the beginning and then he just had a year where everything came together or is he losing it a little bit now, but it goes back to the coaching. Like you said, they, they, their offense, their running attack specifically is so vanilla. It's like the Jets. And that's one of the biggest problems with Adam Gaze. Like similar, Gaze and Peterson are similar because the Jets are still playing hard for Gaze after all this. They give a good effort every week, just like Philadelphia does. They play hard. It's not like they're laying down. They're just not playing well. But the running game is so vanilla. And these good young coaches, the McVeighs, the Shanahans, the Stefanskis, the Matt LaFleurs, they all have very exotic rushing attacks. And the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles do not have that. And that's the problem. That's why it's so easy to stop Sanders. And that's why it's hard for them to continue running the ball because they don't have a good design. That's the problem. And nobody gets open for them at right. all as right. far as the receivers go. Nobody gets open, man. Right. And at some point, man, I, you know, I was getting flack on Twitter at the beginning of the year because I was asking the question, well, who's the next quarterback that's going to get replaced, right? Who's the next quarterback, that starting quarterback that's going to get benched? And I put mm-hmm. Carson Wentz's name in there because I thought he deserved it because the, the team just wasn't performing well. And I thought Jalen Hurts would be able to come in there and at least give a little twist to the offensive scheme. And at some point, they've got to see what they have in that guy. I know that Philadelphia is still in the playoff hunt, so they don't want to give up on this season. They feel like they might have a new shot whenever Zach Ertz comes back but John I mean there's only so many times you can watch Carson Wentz not be able to throw to an open guy at least Jalen Hurts has that opportunity to pull it down and to run with the ball and with that added dimension maybe that helps the wide receivers actually get a little bit of separation and 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 look Jalen Hurts last week when he came into the game (laughs) just a crazy uh, uh, environment that was there in Philadelphia right Carson Wentz starts the series Mm -hmm. they end up uh, doing one play, handing it off to somebody. Jalen Hurts comes in there, and then because his voice is a little bit different than Wentz's, there was a penalty of a false start on the offense, so they get backed up five yards, and Jalen Hurts stays in there for that next game, uh, next snap, and he throws a little sideline pattern real quick, and then he comes off the field, and on third down, Carson Wentz comes back on the field. Look, that that that's senseless. That's pointless. There's no reason to do that because it doesn't seem like they're setting up, setting up uh, the, the play script for something else later on in the game with Hurts, but what I saw from Hertz was he went over to the line, the offensive line after the series was over because it was a four and out or something. And he started talking to them, which means that he's not a rookie who's scared to talk to those offensive linemen. And then Peterson came over and started talking to Hertz at the same time with that whole offensive line. I think that that change is going to come and it's got to come relatively quickly in order for Philadelphia to try and get into those playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Look, I, I'm the type of guy that there, there are different levels to making changes, right? So we could talk about it as the Philadelphia Eagles, or we could talk about it in fantasy, right? Because we're still a fantasy show here in a lot of ways. For me, right, like I had that, that one team that's rattled off win after win after win. I don't change too much. I make minor changes here and there. I'm not trying to rattle that team. I'm trying to keep it going, right? Then I had another team where it was in Superflex and it was auction. And the two highest paid players I had were Dak Prescott in Superflex, who was unbelievable, averaging about 35 fantasy points a game, and Michael Thomas, 
right? So when you invest that much on your team in an auction and those two players and Prescott goes out for the year and Michael Thomas is a bust, you already know your team is dead, right? right. So what I did was I just changed the whole team. It didn't, it didn't work out, but it's worth it when, it when the wheels are coming off to just trade everybody and turn it upside down. So that leads us back to the Eagles, right? At this point, what are we even talking about the minutia for? Just make a change and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, what's the worst that could happen? Your, your division is a mess. Your team's played terrible. You got three wins, whatever it is. So I agree with you 100%. Sometimes you just got to make a change for change's sake and see what the result is when you come out the other side. 67% is coming in on the money line for the New England Patriots, John. 67% of the public thinks that the New England Patriots are going to be able to beat the Los Angeles Chargers straight up. But Vegas has the Los Angeles Chargers favored by one and a half points. This line has crossed over. The Patriots started out as a one-point favorite, and right now the game total has dropped down to 47 points, John. Who's right, the public or Vegas? Oh, this, this one's juicy, right? I, this, is a, this is a cool game because at first glance, you might say, well, you have two teams here that aren't do, doing that well on the scoreboard in the standings, right? That's your first mm-hmm. glance. So you go, eh, not really like a national TV game that I'm going to get amped up about. However, the, the chess game is going to be really cool here. So if you're the better and you're looking at this game like we are right now, you're going to say, okay, which way am I going here? Am I going with Belichick's secondary? Right, they're going to do a lot of fake blitzes with the linebackers. They're going to bring some safeties up to the line, make him think maybe we're going to bring a little pressure. He's going to play mind games with the rookie. So, what's my choice? Is the better? Am I going to take Belichick's brain, or am I going to take Herbert's talent, the raw talent and the ability? The fact that the Chargers are better player for player than the Patriots right now. I mean, that's pretty obvious. The Chargers got star power, right? They got Herbert. They got Keenan Allen. They got Eckler back. They got Hunter Henry, one of the best tight ends in the league. They got the star power over New England. So that's what it comes down to is in this case, because I went with New England last week, I've had a good beat from week to week because, you know, that's my division here, AFC East with the Jets. So I went with New England last week. This week I'm going to flip because I feel like in a way they're like the Rams. Like I like the Rams this week because they stunk up the joint last week. Same thing with the Patriots. Last week they were good. They did what they had to do. I think it's going to flip this week, and the Chargers are going to get it done. I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game by six. couple of field goals, Herbert and the boys. Okay. I also think the New England Patriots are going to be on vacation going to Los Angeles. And Cam Newton's a little bit banged up, and we've seen that storyline before. Whenever Cam Newton's banged up and the backup quarterbacks have to come in there, uh, it's just it, it never ends well. It's not even going that well with Cam Newton under center right now. And I think Austin Eckler on that New England Patriot defense that has just let up people. They, they, they're not the same New England Patriot defense that we've seen in years past. I think Austin Eckler has another field day. What a huge impact from a fantasy perspective that he had last week with, what, 16, 16 targets or 16 catches that he had, something like that. Uh, just a tremendous day. So I'm going to take those Los Angeles Chargers, and I can't see the Patriots putting up a lot of points, so I will take the under in that game. Yeah, you know, the only thing about the under is Cam Newton only got one fantasy point last week. And and you and I talk about this time and time again. It's when someone is that bad, it's so hard for them not to bounce back. So I agree with you, again, from a football perspective and looking at the X's and O's, the way this game should play out, it should be kind of ugly on New England's side. However, because he was that bad, it just always bounces back. I haven't seen a guy who's a starting quarterback have back-to-back games that bad all season, and there's 32 teams. So I got to think his his own fantasy points, if I were to project, are probably going to jump from like one to like 14 or 15 points. You're going to see more rushing yards. You're going to see a little bit higher completion percentage. It's just the nature of the beast. Unless he gets knocked out of the game, he's going to have a bounce back game. It's just, that's just the way it goes in football, you know?
Yeah, but it's that abdominal area for him, uh-huh. and uh-huh. and and you know that's what kept him out last year. I think that's what he had to rehab. And so I just, yeah, okay, we'll move on to the next game, which I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on this one either. From a fa- from a fantasy perspective, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But from the point spread total, it is a little bit intriguing because actually the Kansas City Chiefs it, it has gone up by half a point. Now they're favored by thirteen and a half. John, I, I you know Kansas City is one of those tough teams to always figure out because they always put such a huge point spread on their games mm-hmm. uh, as far as them being favored by the game total has also went up half a point up to 51 usually John it feels like if you take the other side of these things if you take the Denver Broncos this week you're going to be able to find that backdoor cover against the Chiefs just because it's a fire it up fire it up fire it up but man the point total or the the, the public is just betting Chiefs all the way across the board yeah I'm going with you buddy all the way and he, and there's two reasons right that's one 65% on the Chiefs. It's a high line to begin with, right? So that's section number one. Section two is don't forget, Denver had no quarterback last week. Can you imagine how excited their skill players are going to be that they at least have somebody that could throw the ball, right? I mean, they literally played a game with no quarterback. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. So, yeah, they're, they're going to come out with a lot of energy on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to say, thank God, I could run a route and someone could throw me the ball if I get open. So, so yeah, you, you got to take Denver because they're going to have more energy. Uh, the, of course, the Chiefs are going to win. There's no way Denver could actually win this game. But I think it'll be closer than people think. I'm going to go one touchdown, seven points here, 28-21 uh, Chiefs or 31-21. Either way, the Broncos are going to cover the spread there. Um, and you know what? It is relevant for fantasy, though, because you at least you could put Tim Patrick back in your lineup. Right, right. You know, if, you're, if Judy is healthy enough, you can do your Judy, If depending on the league that you're in. Um, if you got Noah Fant at tight end, you know, you can start getting those guys back in there. So it's a little bit relevant. And Melvin Gordon always has a huge day if Lindsay's not involved in the right. offense and Lindsay's right. a little bit banged up. So we'll have to watch the injury news on that. And watching that quarterback last week for the Denver Broncos really makes me appreciate other professional quarterbacks because you saw, and I've heard it before and I've, I've watched it and it comes true, how quarterbacks really only look at one side of the field sometimes if they're young or if they're no right. good because the field is just so big and everything's so fast out there. And I, don't, I don't even know if he looked at that one half, but everything was to the right, to the right, to the right. And there was nothing over to the right. And it seemed like that the New Orleans Saints could have not put any defenders on the left-hand side of the field from the quarterback standpoint, and it wouldn't have mattered. They could have just jammed it all to the right-hand side, and they still, Denver Broncos, would not have been able to move the ball because that quarterback just did never, he never looked to the left at all, not one time. <laughs> That's an excellent, excellent point. It's like a really, it's in general as a topic, is a great topic, right? And this, this kind of goes back to my list, the quarterback list. I had... 51 quarterbacks in the league getting at least a B minus grade from me. That's a high, that's a high number. 51 quarter. I mean, there's only 86 guys that are actually on a roster, right? 86, 87 guys that are on the active roster, not including practice squad quarterbacks. So, so that goes to what you said. We have to respect, right? We, We can't watch games and go, Oh, that guy's horrible. You know, sitting here on the couch, that guy's terrible. Look, he, look at that terrible throw he made. You got to understand how, how many things they have to consider when they're playing the position. So tremendous point by you that we saw there when you took a guy who actually played quarterback in his life, it's not like they took a guy who was a non-quarterback and they put him in there in an NFL game. He couldn't even complete a pass. He started off 0 for 8 with two interceptions. (laughs) So, yeah, so, you you know, it's it's really, really difficult. I'll give you an example. Like a guy like Matt Barkley, who hasn't gotten Mm -hmm. a lot of playing time in the NFL. 
I still had him getting a B minus score because when I see him play quarterback, he's got an idea of what he's doing when he gets in there. He he can read things at the line. He can make decisions. He's pretty accurate getting the ball out. He understands that he can't hold it for too long. These are things that, you know, it's an art form. Playing quarterback is yeah. so hard at the NFL level. So great point by you. I mean, you just saw. If you take even a guy who was a good high school quarterback, you put him in there for one game, he's going to get eaten alive by the big boys. Yeah, I almost want to put that as a breadwinner for Denver, and I'm leaning towards the over just uh, just because I think if Denver ends up covering this game, which I think that they will, it'll end yep. up having to go over that 51-point total, in my opinion. All right, speaking about quarterbacks, this might be a wake-up call for one of the MVP candidates in Josh Allen this week. The San Francisco 49ers are getting a little bit healthy. Kittle is rumored to be coming back sometime sooner rather than later, if at all. I think that he'll, he'll he's determined to come back. I don't think that he's going to stay out. It reminds me of a Terrell Owens situation from, a, from what, 10 years ago? I was going to say a couple years back. <laughs> That's probably 10 years ago now. But uh, Buffalo with Josh Allen may get slapped around on the road in San Francisco. So the 49ers are now favored by one point. This line has stuck the same the entire time. They are favored by one point, which I think if we didn't see their performance last week, Buffalo would probably be favored by two points, John. But San Francisco just made such a huge impression on Vegas, on the betters. And this point total is at 47%, John. The public on the money line is betting San Francisco 84%. Are they right? Lock, lock, lock it up, baby. Take notes for it. I'm riding it, baby. Remember... I still got that Super Bowl play in there, and I'm not drawing dead yet. So, you know, San Francisco's five and six. The final playoff team in the NFC is the Arizona Cardinals at six and five. The 49ers are one game out of the playoffs with five games to go. They need this game a lot more than Buffalo does. And also, I believe, by the way, when you're looking at the money line, that's a good point that you bring that up. It's not always that they believe that team is going to win. That's the right play in the money line. Because when the, the original bet started coming in, the point was going the other way, right? So it's different than betting the spread. They're, when people bet money line, they're looking at it going, what's the right value play? Not necessarily who do I think is going to win? Because you don't know anyway, right? We always say it's predicting the future. So it's a little bit different. Like it's still only 44% on the spread on the 49ers, even though it's 84% of the money line. That's because of the way that the line opened up originally. So just be careful when you're analyzing what the public is doing there. The, the money line is always a value play, not necessarily one where you're reading the indicators of the movement of the line. So it's a, it's a little bit different. But yeah, lock it up. We're taking the 49ers. I think the Bills overall are still a more popular team if you talk about league-wide for their story of the season. Sure. So by the time we get to the kickoff at that time, 8-15, which is a while from now, uh, I think it's going to move even more on the betting spread line toward Buffalo. So that's going to make me comfortable taking San Francisco. Okay, I agree. I got San Francisco. I even put a little BW by it because I thought that that was going to be a bread winner. If Josh Allen pulls this off, my hat will be off to him, right? But he plays a lot worse whenever it seems that James Brown is not. Is James Brown? Who is it? James Brown? John Brown. James, John Brown. Please. James Brown, may he rest in peace. And also Chadwick Boseman, who played him in the movie Get On Up. May he rest in peace as well, uh, was a very great entertainer and was a, a bit of a wild man who was very entertaining, was a, really a legend. That was James Brown. So that, that's uh, in this case, we're talking about John Brown, not the abolitionist. We're talking about the wide receiver uh, from the Buffalo Bills. Well, John Brown, I'm in a hot tub, huh? Hey, you know, like that right now is where he is because he's not playing anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. John Brown, though, he's he's in the hot tub. Hey, 
because he's not in he's not playing anymore and that's really where josh allen seems to struggle a lot whenever he doesn't have that second wide receiver option this year and i don't know that gabriel davis is that guy i i don't i don't i don't know who it is but he just seems to struggle whenever uh brown is not in that game yeah i agree that i see gabriel davis even though he was in my column this week as more of a wide receiver three i don't necessarily see him as a guy that right now i mean you know he's a rookie he's going to develop but right now, I don't see him as a guy that if they don't get John Brown back, that he can occupy that spot and they can continue at the same level. I don't think they can. I think they take a little bit of a step back. You know, there's a lot of teams where you want your guy to be exactly where he's supposed to be on the depth chart in order for the team to do what they need to do. You know what I mean? Like, you want Stephon Diggs to be number one. You want John Brown to be number two. You want Gabriel Davis to be number three, right? You want to use both your running backs on that team. You want Josh Allen to be healthy. For that team to do exactly what they need to do, they needed to line up correctly. So you're, you're right about that. I don't see Davis as that number two. Um, before we get to the final game on the slate, I do want to back up to one thing that's a really interesting topic for this season. And then as we go forward, something that you and I can keep an eye on. You talked about how the Eagles wide receivers don't get any separation. And I want to talk about the rookie, Rieger, right? Jalen Rieger. He went in the first round this year in the draft right? This draft class is one of the deepest, longest with the most guys that we've seen in the wide receiver position, right? So when you go back, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken. And I think what we've seen from him is he's basically the same as his teammate Aguilar, right? He's really right. just a deep threat. There's not a lot to him. So, so that might be something that the Raiders regret, right? Jerry Judy's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Same thing with CeeDee Lamb. And then Rieger was the fourth guy taken off the board. He's not tall, I don't see him getting separation. I don't see any athletic plays being made. And then there was Minnesota, one spot afterward at 22, taking Justin Jefferson. So that that all these little things, all these little decisions add up when you have a team like the Eagles that are spiraling out of control right now in a negative way. Look at the next three wide receivers, the next four, if you want to go deep. Brandon Ayuk went after that. He looks like a stud when he's healthy. That was a great pick by the 49ers. Right. Team Higgins. Great pick by the Bengals. He went in the second round. And then Michael Pittman, who now that the Colts are getting him touches, he looks like the best receiver on their team. So all these, when we go back and we look at this draft class, we got to go back to this wide receiver position and say another one. My Jets of all teams made a great pick with Denzel Mims because there are guys like Chenault that went before him that obviously he's more limited than Mims. Mims can do a lot more than him. KJ Hamler, he's really just a slot guy. Van Jefferson with the Rams. He's not as good of an all-around receiver as Denzel Mims. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. Gabriel Davis is a good pick as well. He went in the fourth round with a bunch of receivers that did nothing going before him. So we should revisit this every once in a while and say, how did that class shake out? Of course, the best pick out of all has been Chase Claypool, who went 49th in the mid-late second round and has been a stud for Ben Roethlisberger. So it's been a really interesting year for the wide receiver class. Yeah, I don't ever doubt whenever Pittsburgh takes a wide receiver whether or not they're going to be good because they seem to know what they're doing when yeah. it comes to picking wide receivers. Yep, absolutely. Maybe Mike Tomlin is an expert, right? I mean, we don't we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but if you look at his resume, starting with Antonio Brown, don't forget they also had Emmanuel Sanders, and you got Juju, you got Claypool, you got Deontay Johnson, James Washington. We always say he made the key play on the game Wednesday that we were all watching because we got a rare Wednesday game. He made the play that saved the game. He caught the ball in triple coverage and the Steelers put the game away when the Ravens were coming on late. So even a guy like James Washington has talent. So maybe it's Tomlin. Maybe he knows the position. Who the heck knows? 
And do you know that this year, John, and, and the, somebody on Twitter answered the question. I'm sorry that I can't remember who you are on Twitter, but they were, answered the question with JB from the Fantasy Magnet podcast. I, I was talking about how I wish we could have a Friday game because then we would have a game every day of the week in my lifetime that I will have watched football, you know, cause now we got it on Wednesday. We had it on Tuesday. And if I, I'm just missing Friday for the bingo card for watching NFL football every day of the week in my lifetime. And this year we have one at Christmas time, which we probably had one in the past at Christmas time, but we will have a Friday game this year as well. 2020 does have some silver linings in all those dark clouds. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And maybe you should uh, get into marketing here with the NFL, because I think you're onto something there. The problem that they have is I guarantee there's some sort of agreement that they can't infringe ab- yeah. upon the NCAA uh, ratings of their games. You know what I mean? So the, that's why it's like, oh, NCAA plays mostly Saturday, NFL plays mostly Sunday. That's like a handshake agreement or a written agreement, whatever it might be. But I like your idea because what they say nowadays, and I know from my own, from my law firm and and being in business for many years now, uh, they say the way that you connect people and you get your ratings up and you get your your business up in general is saturation. You're always there for them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if the NFL games were every day of the week, let's say, you know, I know you're just saying you want to plug one in on a Friday just so you could say you've seen it every every day of the week over the course of watching football. However, if that was a regular thing, the NFL might be able to get their ratings up because everything's down right now. NFL, I was just reading an article in the New York Times, a really good one. Check it out, guys, uh, guys and gals. Just search it. TV ratings, uh, New York Times. They did a whole analysis Hockey was down 61%. This is off the top of my head, so I could be wrong. Uh, Basketball was down 49%. Football's down 12, 9 to 12%. NFL, right? Even though the games are back and everyone was excited. So they might need something like you said, which is some sort of agreement with NCAA or some sort of thing where they say, we got to be more present. Maybe when we take these days off in between, we start to lose our viewers. And then they say, "Ah, I got Netflix. I got cable. I got my Hulu and all that stuff. And I, I don't even need the football. So I, I do think they have to come up with something. It's a good point. Well, but also you got to think about the family life and they got kids and maybe the kids are playing football on Saturdays as well that they want to go see. At least Frank Gore does in college. Uh, you also right. might have them playing high school football. And so you know, these, these I don't know that we could necessarily have it each, each and every day of the week. And let's not forget about the public backlash that may be too for the NFL and some of the decisions that they've made and their stances that they've made socially. I know that there's a lot of people that I'm in contact with because we got some big places down here that are our military things things. And man, some of those people have told me, Wes, I would love to listen to your show, but I'm just boycotting the NFL right now because of some of the stances that they've taken along the way. And and I, I can't blame them. You know, I'm not going to sit there and argue with somebody who has a background in hurting people. You know, I'm just not going to do that. Right. But at the same time, I understand what they're saying. And I'm going to sympathize with those things because that's something near and dear to their heart. And they've been hurt by the decisions the NFL has made. So maybe there's some repercussions for that as well. Yeah, you're 100% right. That's in the column, by the way. That's in the uh, New York Times article. There was a section about that as well, that the feedback shows when they they polled people, right, that people are not willing to watch the games, but they are willing to say, I'm not watching because of this reason. That was one of of the reasons. So you're 100% right. 
The next game, we are talking about the Washington football team against the Pittsburgh Steelers that we just got done talking about. And, John, I told JB this on the Fantasy Magnet podcast that you can subscribe to all of these podcasts on the Anchor FM app. You can find whatever listening platform you like to listen to shows on over there and subscribe to the show. Hey, by the way, John, if, if people get a chance to slap those stars around, that's always good. And if they get a chance to leave a review or a comment, we always love to hear from people. And people have been reaching out to all the different hosts and co-hosts here on the Fantasy the Impact Today Network over on Twitter, like yourself, at Legend Sports 7, at JB, at Fantasy Coach JB, Pierre, at Wee 31 myself, at Loafinit on Twitter, and the Fit Today thing, like you said, that gained a little bit of traction with all the uh, Fit Picks that we make, at FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter. Those are always real good places to check out all our hosts and co-hosts, and people have been giving feedback. And one of the things I said on that Fantasy Magnet podcast was the Pittsburgh Steelers really remind me right now of the New England Patriots in their heyday. The way Ben Roethlisberger is getting his the ball out of his hand, the way that defense is playing, that is always going to be, it seems like in the NFL nowadays, a recipe for success using the passing game as almost another type of running game. Yes, uh, you know, you got my mind firing in a lot of different directions here. You brought up some really interesting stuff there. I want to back up one step first, talk about the fit picks, right? I have an idea for you. Let's throw it out there on the air. First of all, shout out to my buddy, Travis Kent at Laptop Lombardi, a really smart sports guy, big football guy on Twitter, so check him out, guys. He actually was one of the guys who slid up in my DMs, sent me a screenshot of the fit picks, and said, hey, I want to get in on this. How do I get in on these picks? Now, I have an idea for you, Wes. This is this just came to me as you were saying that. How about we open up the fit picks to the audience for the playoffs, right? So we finish we finish our season, and we continue with ours with our main guys, right? But then we just open it up to the audience a little bit or other guys that are really into the fantasy Twitter or girls that are really into it. We'll talk about it off the air, how to handle that. But maybe we make a little contest and say, who wants to compete with the big boys uh, when we get into the playoffs? Because it's a lot less to monitor, by the way. It's not a lot to track. It's only a few games each week. So maybe we open up a little bit. What do you think about that? I am all for it. I just don't know if I can organize it. And- no, you don't have, you, we could tell, we could do it on the honor system. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not no, yeah, 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 we'll, yeah, yeah. On the but, system. We'll, we'll say, okay, put submit your picks to us, right? And then when the week's over, you tell us how you did. I'm not, I don't care. We're not going to play for a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I'm happy to just open it up, but it might be interesting because okay, there's yeah. probably other people like Travis that want to jump in, but we can't let them get in on the regular season picks because we made it this far, but we can open it up for the playoffs. Well, and, and we did something very similar to that with the DFS Dreamers, where we had a good turning out for the DFS contest during Thanksgiving. And I know that Pierre and also one of our, I, you know, he's one of my guys. It just, we just, I just, we had enough, I had enough guys and I couldn't handle anything else. Rob Norton also, who's a great follow on Twitter at Norton0723 on Twitter. He does a lot of DFS stuff. And we had him sit in on a DFS Dreamer podcast. Usually Rob's there for the Baby Bowl stuff and, and the Baby Bowl's a unique contest all, all on its own. But uh, we did that. We opened it up to the public and we had a good reaching out from the public for that and people said let's do this again let's do this again so i know we got to do more of the dfs contest for the uh, dfs dreamer podcast yes absolutely and so that- i'm i'm all for it i'm i'm ready to go for it uh, i just don't expect me to be able to handle any more <laughs> no i don't i don't want you to do any of that that's i'm making my statement right here on the air i'm saying put your yeah. name in the hat put your twitter handle in the hat we'll put you on the list but then you got to tell us, you know, what, how you came out at the end of the week. We'll open it up and see how you do against the quote unquote analysts and the experts over here. So that's yeah. it. But yes, now back to Pittsburgh. You got me going on that. It's a recipe, very specific language. 
It is a recipe for doing well. Here's the language with a veteran quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. With a veteran quarterback, the recipe we're seeing is you got to teach these guys how to change the way they play and get the ball out right away. And there was a good clip from the game on Wednesday where they showed an old touchdown of Ben Roethlisberger, who was very much like Tony Romo in the way that he would extend plays in the pocket, getting around guys, spinning around, guys hanging on his shoulder. He throws it downfield. They showed, an, they showed an old play where he did that, and he made it work for a touchdown. But he can't do that now because of what happened last year and the fact that he's 38 years old. If he takes a low hit on his leg, he's finished. His career is over. So the, the recipe for success is very specific. It's for veteran quarterbacks to get that ball, take the snap, and get rid of the dang thing right away. Don't even think twice about it, you know? No, you're absolutely right. And uh, this game fascinates me because it's two quarterbacks that have had to do, learn to adjust their game somewhat. Alex Smith, of course, has always been that quick release guy and always picking apart defenses. And right. now he's got the Pittsburgh Steeler defense. So I think Alex Smith is going to have to adjust his game because Pittsburgh loves to hang around the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that that's going to open up very well for Alex Smith. They also love to bring the blitz package from every direction at all times. And Alex Smith is a very cerebral quarterback who might be able to figure that out. And if that's the case, I think he's going to have to throw it over the top to beat this Pittsburgh Steeler defense. That is just so fantastic. Ooh, baby. I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking about going crazy, my friend. I'm thinking that Washington is going to break the schneid. I think Washington is the team to do it. I think you're catching them right now at a point where we saw it on Thanksgiving. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's too fresh in our mind that they mauled the Cowboys and they look like an all around team, but I don't think it was a mirage. Because I really want you to think about the whole situation, right? Let's talk about Washington, okay, in general, because it's important now. That NFC East is starting to come down to the wire. We know the Giants have the issue with Daniel Jones. We know the Giants, by default, with all the close games they're playing, they're going to lose a couple more before the year is over. They're going to lose a couple of close ones. So if you look at the – and we know the Eagles are in shambles in Dallas. They embarrassed themselves. Dallas is out of the race, right? So it looks pretty clear. If you Now, Alex Smith is trending upward. He's starting to get it back. He's getting the timing back. We know when he's on his game, like you said, he's really good at not turning the ball over and keeping you in the game no matter who you're playing. So you got Alex Smith going the right way. You got Antonio Gibson looking like the rookie offensive player of the year. Monster, having a monster year. You got the second running back having his best career, J.D. McKissick, right? Best season of his career. You got Terry McLaurin, who's a legitimate number one wide receiver. And then you got the sleeper. You got Logan Thomas, who's a weapon. If they use him a lot, if they open him up a little bit more, the way Alex Smith did with Travis Kelsey, right? Or even before that, I think he maybe even played with Tony Gonzalez. And he, I know he played with Vernon Davis, right? If they open up that tight end a little bit more, this team's a problem because the whole year before they got to Alex Smith, we were talking about Washington's front seven, right? And Chase Young and all those guys getting after the quarterback, doing a great job. And we also have talked about Ron Rivera. So now if you add up the coach, the defense, and the offense going in the right direction, uh, it just moved to 50-50, by the way, right this second while mm-hmm. I'm on the, on the line mm-hmm. with you. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb and say, well, for sure I'm taking Washington to cover the spread. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it suspenseful. I'm going to wait till the last minute to put in my fit pick. But I think there's a chance I might take Washington to beat Pittsburgh straight up in this game. Well, I got, I've got. i already wrote down Washington. I had Washington wrote down beforehand. And it, basically it comes down to one guy you said, Riverboat Ron. Mm. You, know, you, you mentioned all these people having career years, bounce back years, all those things. Look, there's one key cog in all that, and that's Ron Rivera. 
right. always finding ways to set up his players to succeed. And he did that in Carolina, maybe not whenever he was about to leave there or anything like that. But even that team, uh, still, you had some very good fantasy players. You had some great NFL players on that squad that just couldn't put it all together because there were so many different quarterbacks that were starting for the team. I believe that hindered things for Riverboat Ron. Here, we saw this last week a little bit. We saw Logan Thomas throw a couple of passes. Yeah, some different smart. things, right? You, you start getting the Pittsburgh Steelers going one direction, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden Logan Thomas starts throwing it over the top. Look, the Riverboat Ron is going to gamble. He's got to get this big victory here against Pittsburgh, who is going to be on short rest, right, right. going into this game. Washington has had like 10, 12 days to be able to prepare for these Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I think Washington's going to be able to cover the spread, John. I don't know if they can beat them straight up, but I think they can cover the spread. You know me. I, I like I like to go out on a limb. I'm not I'm not here trying to make conservative picks. I <laughs> I really am leaning that way. I'm really listen. It paid off for me last week with the Falcons and the Patriots. This week I'm thinking it might be Cleveland and Washington in the fit picks, where I know for a fact all you guys are going to go against me, and I'm going to creep up. I'm going to keep creeping up. I'm going to get away from Bobby. I'm going to get away from Pierre, and I'm going to run away with this thing. 43.5 is this point total, John. It's gone up one point since the beginning of it. I think it could go up a little bit more than that. I think it's safe for me to take the over on this. I know these are defenses that are really strong, but I, I could see this. You know, it, you just look at two twos, right? Uh, and, and if you got two twos in the total scores for both teams, then you're going to go over that 43.5 pretty easily. So I'm going to take that two twos, and, and I'm, going to take, I'm going to lean the over. Yeah, I mean, the line went up a point already, went from 42.5 to 43.5, so yeah, but it's also going to be tight to it. It is going to go over. It's going to be 47 points. That's that's my guess, 47, 48 points in this game. And and the Dallas Baltimore game, there's no really good line on that. You can find one out there. Baltimore favored by seven and a half points. Right. I think again with that defense that Baltimore has, they should be able to cover that spread. Depending on who's playing, it's really hard to be able to tell that right now. But I think if Lamar Jackson is in there against that Dallas defense too, he'll be able to run rampant on that. And if they get Andrews back, I think that Baltimore needs to come out and make a statement, and they would be able to cover that seven and a half points against the Dallas Cowboys. But that's not even official yet on any point spread totals. I don't believe. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I feel like that's almost a misprint, the percentages, right? You're looking at those yeah. percentages. How could it be only 39%? They must think Lamar Jackson's not going to play. I mean, look, Sports Insights, you and I have been using them all year. They've been pretty darn accurate with yes, who's sir. playing quarterback when they guess in advance. They seem to think it's going to be Lamar. So I, I say full-on blowout. Blow the doors off those Cowboys. 24-point uh, victory for the Ravens. Dallas going to pack it up. Gonna put the tail between their legs and they're gonna shimmy off into next season. John, you always do a great job. I thank you so much, Mr. Frisella, especially coming in, in these holidays. One of the silver linings in my dark clouds has been getting to know all of you analysts here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network so well. And I appreciate you guys embracing the Fantasy Impact Today positivity movement like you guys have so well. So thank you, John. Hey, could you tell everybody out there where they can find you? Because you are blowing up, my friend. And I want to encourage everybody to make sure they follow John Frisella at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. And you can find him on so many different places. Tell him where all those places are, John. Oh, thanks a lot, Wes. I, I really appreciate it. And, and special thanks to you because, look, all of us can come and go. You you know I'm working hard anyway doing other stuff at the same time. But all of us can come and go. We only have to do our one show with Wes per week. But Wes is doing – he's at present at every single one running the show. So he's really putting in a lot of effort. He's got the girls at home and the missus. So hats off to Wes, who's, who's the anchor, the leader of this group and, and doing a tremendous job. Um, and then, of course, for myself, at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter, right? Aaron Torres online. I'm the senior fantasy writer over there. Weekly column. Get those pickups, 
right? That's that's huge. Those waiver wire pickups, especially now when people are falling asleep at the wheel or they're mm-hmm. packing it in because they're not in the running anymore. So mm-hmm. make sure you get there. You got the John Fasella blog that basically I keep it going for my man Wes. And and right now it's headlined by that top 86 quarterbacks. That's a lot of fun. So get on there and see where your favorite quarterback ranks. Uh, and then again, I was on with Bison this week with Jeff Colhane. Andy Andy Rykoff was running it himself. And we've been picking up. I've been going even longer. The segments are getting longer. They're getting calls and messages all over the country. So uh, those guys as well at Bison Radio. Um, and uh, they're called The Insiders. Their show's called The Insiders. So I'm everywhere. But uh, special thanks to Wes above all. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Loafinit on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show, at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM, subscribe to the show on whatever listening platform you'd like to listen to podcasts on. We would all appreciate that. Slap those stars around for me, leave a comment, leave a review, but more than anything else, we always want to encourage you here from the Fantasy Impact Today Network to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 